Well, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn with me to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19. Uh, We're going to be in Psalm, but we're also going to be several other places. So I would encourage you to have your copy of God's Word in front of you so you can turn and and see and read Scriptures for yourself. And they'll also be up on the screen behind me, so you'll be able to follow along that way. Uh, I would encourage you, though, to to try to, to follow along in your copy of God's Word with us this morning. And we're continuing a series entitled Essential disciplines. Uh, Last week we began by talking about the discipline of Bible study. And if you remember, we spent a lot of time last week talking about this word discipline. This word discipline often has negative connotations, doesn't it? That we are being disciplined for doing wrong. Uh, However, what we have found is there is freedom in discipline. There is freedom in, in being obedient to God, and there is growth that we have by doing these practices. One thing we emphasize, and we will every week of this series, is that a discipline is not an attitude. A discipline is an action. You do not have the spiritual discipline of joy, okay? That is a fruit of the Spirit, to be sure, but it is not a discipline. Instead, a discipline is something that you do. You can't just have Bible study, you have to study the Bible. So we started last week, and I hope many of you have started with us making a commitment to read the Bible every single day. We've been going through it together uh, by reading the book of John, and so we started May 1st to make things easy. Wednesday, May 1st, we read John chapter 1. On May 2nd, we read John chapter 2, and 3 and 4. Today is the 5th, so we're on John chapter 5. Let me encourage you, if you have not started that with us, uh, don't feel like you have catch-up to do or that you can't participate. The point is not that we're doing an in-depth study through John. It's that we're remembering to read the Word of God every day. So start today with John chapter 5. Make it easy to remember. Uh, Read John chapter 5, and tomorrow read John chapter 6. If you miss a day, don't beat yourself up. Make a commitment the next day to read whatever day we're on. And if you have time to go back and make up chapters, that's fine. But this is a practice to help us be disciplined in the Word of God. If you are on social media, on Facebook, I've been posting short videos where we've had a lot of good feedback. I'm so thankful for those who have taken time to read with us and and type out, this is something that God is teaching me through the passage this morning. I've really loved hearing how other people have been reading along and, and studying Scripture together. Uh, so I would encourage you, whether you uh, interact with us on Facebook or not, just to take some time and think, what day of the month is it? It's the 5th. I'm going to read John chapter 5 today. Joe, second to Bible study. Bible study being what I believe is the most important discipline that we can have. Second to studying the Word of God is prayer. But we see prayer in Scripture as a powerful means of communication between God the Creator and human beings the creation. An opportunity we have to, to talk to Almighty God. Something that we don't deserve, something we cannot fathom, and yet something that is before us, that we have this means of communication. Our main passage this morning, or our beginning passage, I should say, this morning, is Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. It says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
Let the words of my mouth, the things that come off of my lips, my communication to you, God, let this be pleasing and acceptable. Let me spend time conversing and talking with you, God, knowing that it gives you great pleasure when we pray. As we study this discipline of prayer, I want to let you know that a lot of what we'll be sharing is from a book entitled Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald S. Whitney. And so if you, if you enjoy reading, you can get a copy of that book. I can remind you after the service what that book was. But his chapter on prayer does such a wonderful job of teaching scripturally why prayer is such a powerful discipline. This means of communication with God. And so with that in mind, I want to look at at three ways that we can learn through our prayer life. Three things that prayer is. And so if you have your bulletin, you can take notes this morning and fill in the blanks about prayer so that we can see how powerfully God wants to use prayer in our own lives. The first thing I'd like to point out is that prayer is expected. Prayer is expected. Here comes that negative connotation from discipline, isn't it? You're making me do it. This is what I hated about discipline as a kid, and really as an adult, still do. I don't like being told what to do. Anybody else in here like that? Don't tell me what to do, or else I'm going to do the opposite. If you tell me not to touch something, you know what I want to do? I want to take both hands and grab it, you know? If you tell me not to eat that, I don't care if I like it or not, I want to eat the whole thing. Without going into details, I got myself in a lot of trouble one time uh, with a youth group when I was a youth pastor because someone told me I couldn't drink an entire large jar of pickle juice. Can I tell you, I can do it once. (laughs) We don't like this aspect of discipline. Prayer is expected, right? You have to do it. And we find in Scripture this command for us to pray, this expectation that we would pray. However, what we find is, is that the Bible doesn't command us, you must pray. Instead, it begs us. You must have communication with the God who saves you. You've got to build that relationship. Our relationship with God is is not a one-way street. Sure, God does all the hefty lifting, all of the hard work. He provides us salvation. He's the one who works in our lives. He changes our hearts. But He desires to hear from His creation. He's designed it so that, that He would reveal Himself to us through His written Word. And that we would communicate to Him through our prayers. We find in, in the Gospels, Jesus expected the people following Him to be people of prayer. We can see it really strong in Mark chapter 6. If you read Mark chapter 6 at any point, you'll see a phrase repeated over and over again. You tell me if it sounds to you like Jesus expected the people to pray. In Matthew 6 verse 5, he said, and when you pray. And in verse 6, he said, but when you pray. And in verse 7, he said, and when you pray. And then in verse 9, he says, pray then like this. Does it sound to you like Jesus expected his followers, his disciples, to pray? This assumption that that they are already praying. When you are going to pray, because we expect you to do that. In Luke chapter 11, and we'll be in Luke 11 quite a bit this morning. Jesus says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened 
to you. Listen to these verbs Jesus is telling his followers. Ask, seek, knock. Do you think Jesus expects you to be a person of prayer? We read further in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. They ought always to pray. All scripture is God-breathed, and every last word of it is the word of God. But for some reason, people like to hang on those red letters that Jesus has spoken. I'm going to go ahead and let you know, they are not more of God's word than the rest of God's written word. But when Jesus says something, it's important. When Jesus speaks, we ought to listen. And Jesus had an expectation of prayer. We read actually all throughout the New Testament, and Old Testament for that matter, that Jesus and God himself has this expectation that we are people of prayer. That's why in Colossians 4.2, there's the command, continue steadfastly in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, if you're looking for a memory verse this morning, if you're wanting to commit a verse to memory, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 is a fabulous one. Pray without ceasing. It's the whole thing. I didn't cut it off. You just memorized scripture this morning. There's a commandment in there. Pray without ceasing. If you are a son or a daughter of God, there is an expectation that you would be a person of prayer. Let me ask you, how are you meeting that expectation this morning? How does your prayer life reflect your relationship with God? If your relationship with God was a marriage, how would your communication level be? Do you spend time talking as is expected through prayer? We see that prayer is expected and it convicts us because we don't pray as we ought to pray. We're going to look at how we ought to pray as this message unfolds, but, but in general, we don't pray in the quantity that we should pray, let alone the quality Think about the prayers you give on a daily basis. Usually there's a prayer for meals. I don't know why, but we pray for lunch and for dinner. Why don't we pray for breakfast? I don't know. The cereal doesn't need to be blessed. I don't know. But we we pray for our meals, right? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this food. Amen. Repetitious over and over and over again. Is the quality of your prayer... One that communicates to God? What about the quantity of it? How often do you pray? Well, we counted two. Maybe if you're extra spiritual, you bless your cereal three times a day. Maybe, possibly, especially if you have children, you might pray at bedtime with them. What about throughout the day? How are you fulfilling the command to pray without ceasing or to pray continually or to always be praying? Are you filling that expectation when Jesus speaks to you And he looks at you and says, when you pray, do you understand what he's saying? Or do you go, if I pray? Our prayer life is expected in Scripture. God wants to hear from us. But let me give you encouragement, just in case you're worried about the quality of your prayers. Prayer is learned. Prayer is learned. This sounds a little funny because we just said as followers of Christ, we ought to be praying. 
And so we have this mindset that something magical happens, that one day we don't have a relationship with God, and we don't know how to pray, and then the next day we're followers of Christ, we've trusted Him, and out of our mouth flows these eloquent King James prayers, full of these and thous and lords and almighties. Now the flowery nature of your prayer does not matter, but I think it gives us great hope for those of us who feel uneasy about our prayer life, that prayer is learned. You grow in your prayer life. Just as a newborn baby has to be taught how to communicate and speak words, a new Christian is taught over time how to pray. That doesn't mean you can't pray if you're young in your faith. The opposite. You should pray, and we'll talk about that in a minute. It doesn't mean that that your prayers are less effective somehow or that, that you have to sound them a certain way. Instead, what it means is, over the course of your life, your conversations with God will grow richer and deeper. And if right now you're self-conscious about your prayer life, know this, have hope, that the more you talk to God, the richer your prayer life will be. As a matter of fact, there are several ways we can learn how to pray, but the first way we learn is simply by doing it, by praying. If you want to be a person of prayer, start praying. If you want to feel confident in your prayer life, spend more time praying. I'm an extremely outgoing person. I talk a lot. Sometimes I have to apologize because of of the, the fact that I'll talk nonstop and won't listen enough. I apologize constantly to my family for this, but but what is a negative also is one of my strengths. I'm a people person, and, and I can talk to anybody at any time. This was not something I was necessarily born with, although the characteristics were there. This was something I developed, and I developed it in college when I was going to Bible college. No, I didn't learn it from a class. No, a professor didn't teach it to me. My social skills weren't honed in some theology class. Instead, I waited tables at a Ruby Tuesday, and I talked to people over and over and over again. Not only that, but my talking to people is usually what earned me more money, not my service. If I could talk to someone and get them talking about what was going on in their lives, I usually got a better tip. And so I learned through the process of communicating with with guests at a restaurant how to talk to other people. I learned how to ask questions about their life. I learned how to to find interest, common interest to, to speak with. And that has helped me so much in ministry. I get to know people now, whereas I wouldn't have before, because I know how to to talk and, and converse. I did not learn this by reading a book. I learned how to communicate by communicating. In the same way goes with our, our prayer life. We don't learn how to pray just by studying or hoping some magical light will come on. We learn by doing. We learn by, by getting our hands dirty and falling to our knees and and just speaking to God. There'll be times early on in our, our prayer life that we'll be praying and, and what will come out of our mouth feels like, like babble and, and incoherent thoughts. There are times that our minds will wander and we'll find ourselves thinking about, uh, thinking about sleep instead of thinking about prayer. We'll find ourselves worried about the, the list of things to do instead of uh, praying and speaking to God what's on our heart. We'll, we'll find ourselves lusting over food and what's going to be for lunch. 
And yet the more we pray, the more we learn how to stay focused and the more we learn how to be in a right relationship with God. We learn first by praying. We learn how to pray by acting on prayer. But secondly, we we learn how to pray by meditating on Scripture. I tell you, there is some rich prayer in the Bible. Some deep thinking, written out prayer for you and I. I love the, the verse we read to start off with this morning. In, in Psalm 19, verse 14, it's the very last verse of this chapter. It says, let the words of my mouth, that's my prayer, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That first phrase, let the words of my mouth, is our, our prayer or our worship to God, our communicating to God. But what about that meditation? What about the meditation of our heart? As David writes this, what was he meditating on? Was he meditating on on things going on in his life? Possibly, we pray that way sometimes. Was he he meditating on, on conflicts he was trying to have resolved? Certainly that's involved in our prayer lives. What was David meditating on to make him say, let the words of my mouth and the meditations, as if they go hand in hand, the meditations lead to my prayer, what was on his heart? Well, if you back up in Psalm chapter 19, verses 7 through 9, let's just look at verse 7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. David continues to talk about the precepts of the Lord and the law of the Lord all the way through verse 9. He's meditating on Scripture, on the Word of God. How did David find pleasing words for God? He was able to pray because he was meditating on God's Word. And meditating means not just reading it, but studying it and thinking deeply He was able to study and think deeply on God's Word because just as we shared our first discipline is, he was reading it regularly. He was in the Word of God. Oh, how rich a prayer life we would have if we would intertwine our Bible reading with our prayers. If we would read Scripture, think about what God is wanting to teach us, meditate on it, and offer prayer. Then read another portion of Scripture. Meditate on what God is saying to us. And then pray out of that meditation. Think about how rich your prayer life could be if instead of reading a whole chapter, you read a few verses and went, whoa, God, what are you saying there? This is amazing. Lord, let me give you thanks for your good truth here. Or you read a passage of Scripture and go, whoa, God, what are you saying here? This is convicting. I don't need to be living this way. I don't need to be acting this way. Let me pray and confess sin before you. Or read a small passage of Scripture and say, Whoa, God, what are you saying here? This is is something you want me to do and act on. I need to get busy and at work. Let me spend some time praying for opportunity to fulfill your purpose in my life. Our prayer grows stronger, not just when we, we pray, but when we pray God's Word and meditate on what He has to say. We learn by by praying, we learn by meditating on Scripture, and we also learn by praying with others. What a great way to learn, by listening to corporate prayer. Now, when we listen to corporate prayer, what we're asking is that we would somehow glean 
some knowledge or some truth that God has taught them into our own lives. This is a principle that we find when we read about iron sharpening iron. Jesus made a point to make sure corporate prayer was important to his apostles. That's why when when in Luke chapter 11, they're asking Jesus how to pray, the disciple does not come and say, Jesus, teach me how to pray. No, Luke 11.1 says, Lord, teach us together as a corporate body. Teach us how we are to pray. This is that idea that, that if one of us will learn, then another one can learn from them. Now, this does not mean we listen to someone's prayer to learn the language of prayer or the phrases of prayer. You don't have to use Heavenly Father, Almighty's, or Lord's at all. You use, you use God if you want. You use Jesus if you want. You use whatever address you have on your heart. I've shared before, one of the most spiritual students I had as a youth pastor what was a kid named James Max. And he led Bible studies before school at like 6 in the morning at a donut shop every week. And kids would come to his Bible study and he would start his prayers off by going, Hey God, it's me, James Max again. And then he'd pray. I tell you, it didn't matter that he had flowery language or not. It didn't matter the, the phrases that he used. No, we don't learn by listening to the phrases of other people. We learn the principles of how they pray. We can listen and say, did you catch how much they praise God in their prayer? I want to praise God in my prayer. Did you see how much time he spent on on confession of our sin? Maybe I need to spend more time on confession of my sin. We can hear prayers of godly individuals and, and we will learn then how to pray. This gives us hope because I have talked to many, many people who say, I'm not confident in my prayer life. Please don't call on me to pray out loud. And maybe you will never feel uh, confident praying out loud, but, but I hope that one day you will feel confident praying to God. And we can do that by praying ourselves, meditating on Scripture, and learning from others. Our final truth that we see this morning is that prayer is answered. Well, if there's hope that we can grow in our prayer, there is there's infinitely more hope in this truth. That God's desire is to answer our prayers. In Psalm 65, verse 2, David addresses God as, uh, O you who hear prayer. God is a God who listens when you pray. Luke chapter 11, we've referenced that a lot. And we've already read verse 9 once uh, today, but let's read it again. In Luke eleven nine, 9, there's a promise. Jesus says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. This is a promise of Scripture. Let me ask you a question, and you can give me an audible answer. Is Scripture true? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. This is a promise of the truth from God's word. He will, will answer your prayer. In case you think this verse is taken wildly out of context, like some preachers tend to do, let me assure you it is not. If you read the whole of Luke chapter 11, it begins with Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. 
And then after he teaches the disciples how to pray, he gives them an illustration uh, about how a, a friend may ask for a favor. And of course, if they're a friend of yours, you're going to grant their favor because, because you care about them. God wants to answer our request because he cares about us. Then we read verse uh, 9. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Then in case you didn't get the point, he reiterates that in verse 10. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Speaking of this very promise, the commentator Andrew Murray wants us to be where not to weaken the word of God with our human wisdom. Not to look at this promise and say, but God doesn't always do that. There are times when God does not answer us. No, the promise of God is that if you ask, you will receive. Prayer is answered. I have to say, Garth Brooks' theology is wrong. There are no unanswered prayers. So what about prayers we've prayed with with no tangible effects to show? What happens when you pray a specific request continually and yet you don't have what you've prayed for? Does that mean God has not answered your prayer? Well, it sounds like a cop-out answer, but the, the truth is sometimes God says no. I know it feels like, like we're kind of sweeping it under the rug, like, of course you're going to say that because that explains everything, but, but the principle is certainly true. This, of course, is not a cop-out answer, and all we have to do is think about our own requests with our children. I'd like to think that I'm a good father. Am I, girls, am I a good father? So-so, I'm kind of getting blank stares. I'd like to think that I'm a good father, right? When my children ask me a question, most of the time I respond to them, and I say most of the time because I'm an imperfect father, and maybe I'm zoned out, or maybe I'm, I'm not listening intently, but when my kids ask me a question, I want to give them an answer. I, I don't want to ignore them. As a good father, I want to respond to them. And so I delight in giving my children what they ask for. They love coming to me after a meal and asking, Daddy, can we have dessert? They don't go to Mommy and ask this question because Daddy delights in giving them what they want. Right? Daddy, can we have dessert? Eh, sure, go ahead. You know, I, I love answering that question with a yes. But the truth is, as a good father, I often have to answer no. Daddy, can we have ice cream for dinner? I will answer that request. No. Of course, then comes a follow-up question. Daddy, why are you eating ice cream for dinner? We sweep. That's one of the ones we don't, we don't answer, right? I'm zoned out in that point. There are times that, that your children ask you a question, and because you are a good parent, you have to say no. The same principle rings true. God, as a perfect father, is never zoned out, is never focused elsewhere. He always always answers his children's question. C.S. Lewis writes about this in comparing a parent's interaction with their child to God's answering of our requests. C.S. Lewis writes, I cannot imagine any one of you tantalizing your child by enticing him with a desire that you did not intend to gratify. It were a very ungenerous thing to offer alms to the poor, and then when they hold out their hand for it to mock their poverty with a denial. 
It were a cruel addition to the miseries of the sick if they were taken to the hospital and left there to die unattended and uncared for. Where God leads you to pray, He means for you to receive. God did not say, ask and you shall receive, only to say, accept this time. As a good father, He always answers us. As a good father, He often tells us no. Luke chapter 11, verse 13, just so we know this, asking and receiving isn't taken out of context, says this very thing, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God's delight is to answer your prayer. But God, being a perfect God, knows what you need and answers for what is best for you, whether you know it's best or not. Every time we pray, our prayer is answered. As we think of some application for for this study through prayer, we ask, because prayer is expected, will you pray? Knowing that Jesus expects it of you, will you spend some time today, in this moment, speaking to God? Because prayer is learned, will you commit yourself to learn to pray, to try to grow in your communication, to have deeper conversations with God? Because prayer is answered, will you pray persistently, not giving up, knowing that a delayed answer to prayer is still an answer, and knowing that God has a desire to give you exactly what you need? As we close this morning, let me remind you that though God hears every prayer, He hears every thought of every person who has ever lived. He does not hear with the intent on answering prayer until we are His children. Isaiah 59 verse 2 tells us that our sins have created a chasm between us and God so that He does not hear our prayers because of our sin. I also must say that is not God's desire for you. God's desire is that you would be His child. God's desire is that you would speak to Him and call to Him in prayer. God's desire is to answer you and give you good gifts. God's desire for you this morning is for you to have that relationship, to know Him intimately, and to talk to Him through reading His Word and through prayer. This morning, the promise of Scripture is the prayer for salvation will be heard We read in the book of Acts that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone who prays out to God the prayer, Lord, I need forgiveness of sins and I want to follow you in salvation, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Maybe this morning, the very first prayer that that falls on God's ears from your lips is the prayer, Lord, I need your salvation. This morning, as we come to our our time of invitation, I want you to ask yourself, am I a person of prayer? Do I speak with God? And do I have a relationship with God such that He hears and answers my prayers? Let's pray. Father, I thank You for being a God who listens and who hears. Lord, as David addressed You, we do as well. Oh, You who hears our prayer. What an amazing thought. We confess to you that although we're expected to pray, we we often don't. Or when we do, we offer canned prayers that don't have much substance to them. Lord, Lord, make us people who learn how to pray. 
who grow deeper in our conversations with you because we're praying regularly, because we're meditating on your word, because we're, we're students of prayer. Lord, we thank you that you answer us every single time. That it is not a conditional promise, but a, a perfect promise that all who ask will receive according to your will and according to your purpose. And so, Lord, I, I pray that as we lift our prayers up to you this morning, we would have confidence that you are hearing and answering for what's best in our lives. Lord, we ask that each person in here would examine their heart and would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that their prayers are heard because of their salvation through Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray this morning that if there's one person in here who's, who's asking, who, who's wanting to know you and wanting to hear from you, Lord, we, we pray that the first prayer that they would pray from their lips to your ears would be to call on your name for salvation. Lord, we thank you for hearing us. We ask that you would continue to grow us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.